and welcome to the Let's Start Thriving podcast. I'm your host, Julia Taranzak, and I'm a life coach and a yoga instructor who helps anxious and ambitious achievers break through the barriers that are preventing them from reaching their greatest heights. My mission is to empower you to heal and grow so that you can really start thriving. If you're ready to overcome your challenges, let go of what's holding you back from success, and live life on your terms, then you've come to the right place. No matter your upbringing, I believe that you are worthy to feel amazing, love yourself unconditionally, excel in your career, and cultivate thriving relationships. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the very first ever podcast episode for the Let's Start Thriving podcast. I'm your host, Julia Taranzak, and it is such a pleasure to have you here. And for today's episode, we're going to really dive into my background so that you can get to know me and understand who I am, my background, how I got to where I am today, and really understand why I feel that it's so important to learn a little bit more about trauma and just to see how it shows up in your everyday life and why it's so important to be trauma-informed. So we'll start off with a little bit of a background on who I am, then we'll dive into my childhood, what I experienced, and kind of go through my professional career, where I got to, and how I got to where I am today. So a little bit of background. I'm Julia. I am born and raised in San Diego, so you could say I'm a little spoiled. I absolutely love it here. I consider myself to be a solar-powered human. I love being in the sun, love being in San Diego. We have beautiful weather all year round and probably will never leave. I still love to travel. I've been to many different countries across Europe and Southeast Asia and hope to see many more places around the world. But San Diego is my home base. It is where my heart is, my home is, and I am so grateful to be here. I am a trauma-informed life coach and a yoga instructor. I feel like yoga is such a powerful practice, and I got into it after being an NCAA athlete and swimming for my entire life, and it has absolutely changed my life and has supported me so much in my healing journey. But I think it's so important to start with what got me inspired to do all this work and really where a lot of this stems from. So I, starting off in my childhood, I grew up with a twin brother who I always love to say doesn't speak to me in words, but he communicates through love better than anyone else that I know. My twin brother, Michael, has Down syndrome and he is the inspiration behind every single thing that I do in my life. Michael is just such a beautiful, I always call him like an angel on earth. He is so kind, so compassionate, so loving, and so authentic. I think a lot of people when they hear about Down syndrome, and I should probably preface this by saying if you don't know what Down syndrome is, that is totally okay. Um, It is the most common genetic condition out there that occurs when there is a third copy of the 21st chromosome, and this can lead to Um, some speech delays, it can lead to developmental delays, and it shows up very different from person to person. For my brother, he doesn't speak at all, so we have to learn how to communicate with him non-verbally, which can be very challenging at times, especially when you can see that he wants to communicate, but he doesn't know how to express his needs to us. But he is so, so amazing, and growing up with him was so interesting, because like I said, he didn't speak at all, and I feel like I learned how to be a lot more intuitive just by being around him, very feeling based as a person. 
And I had to really tune into what Michael was experiencing and feeling and without any sort of actual verbal communication. So involved a lot of body language, understanding where he's coming from, understanding what he's trying to express. And a few of the biggest things that Michael has taught me, one is unconditionally loving others and especially yourself. Another is the ability to change your perspective. Third is developing that sense of patience for others and along with yourself and really just being present and living in the moment. So as far as unconditionally loving others and yourself, something that I love about my brother is that he is so kind to whoever comes up to him, which I always am so in awe and so amazed of. He doesn't care if someone is gay, who they love, what religion they practice, how they dress, what they do. The only thing that he cares about is how you approach him. And if you approach him with kindness and compassion and respect, he shows that right back, which I think is so important to have, especially in our society today. I think so many people are so divided or so judgmental and there's so much hate going on in this world. And I just look at the example that my brother sets and I see just how he moves through the world and how he engages with other people. And I think if more people had that background and that understanding and let go of some of their unconscious biases, it would make this world such a better place. I also mentioned the ability to shift your perspective. I could be someone that could complain and talk about how my brother ruined my life or how it was so challenging having a brother who has Down syndrome and not having a normal childhood, but I'm not going to because my brother has taught me to focus on the things in life that are actually important, like spending time with your loved ones and really learning how to be present. I especially learned that when I was in college. I went to school at UC San Diego and one of the biggest things was I wasn't living at home. Yes, I was born and raised in San Diego, but college is about half an hour away from the house that I grew up in. I was also a collegiate athlete, so I had to be at swim practice at like 5.45 in the morning, super crazy early. So there was not a chance that I was going to be commuting. So I was living on campus my first year and my brother had a really, really hard time with that. He didn't understand why I was on campus. He had no idea why I was basically away from home. And every time, usually every Sunday, my mom would come up with my brother and then we would go hang out. And there were so many times during school where I had a huge exam to study for or a quiz. And sometimes I tell my mom like, oh, I don't have time to do this with you guys. I don't have time to see you. Like I'm just too stressed out with school. And usually like my mom would come with my brother and sometimes I'd start off being just so in my head and so worried about what's going on with my grades and my exams. Once I'd spend a few minutes with Michael, I'd realize like this is what's really important. These moments that you have with your family, your friends, your loved ones, those are the moments that are really going to matter. And reflecting back almost 10 years later, I am so happy that I took the time that I did to actually be around my brother to really push aside those mold pieces of anxiety that I was worrying about with exams or school or whatever it was and to really cherish those moments that I had with him to take out whether it was just an hour of my time and just spending that with him those are the moments that we both get to cherish and I don't even care about those exams anymore like I still did really well in school but all that worrying and all that stress about those exams were so unimportant at this time and I don't even think about them to this day so Michael really taught me the importance about being 
present, really shifting your perspective and also practicing patience with yourself and with others. If you've ever been around someone who has Down syndrome, you know that they can be incredibly stubborn, my brother especially, and it takes a lot of patience. A lot of patience with, especially if you're trying to get ready and you're trying to go somewhere and Michael is just not having it, he is not in the place that he just wants to get up and do something. And also patience because people like my brother have a long time trying to learn things, to grasp things. My parents especially, I'm sure, had a really challenging time because me and my brother grew up together and I was learning things really quickly. I started walking really early. I believe I was already walking at about 10 or 11 months old already. My brother couldn't start walking until he was about three years old. So if you can imagine, that took a long time to be able to learn a skill that most people learn at such an earlier age. And that has happened so many times just growing up with Michael, just learning how to have patience while he's trying to learn a new task, while he's trying to get ready. And I also translate that into learning how to have that patience, especially with yourself, especially if you're someone who is high achieving, you love your personal development, you're all about personal growth and professional growth. Some things take time and it is okay to have patience for yourself. It's okay to have compassion for yourself because we don't grow. We don't just heal overnight. It takes time. It takes a lot of consistent action and small little incremental steps to get to where you want to be. And one of the biggest things that I'm so grateful about having Michael in my life is I think through all these things that I shared, I don't even want to know the person that I would be had I not had Michael in my life. He taught me just how to be a much more compassionate, much more caring, much more empathetic person. And I am by no means perfect. Like I am sure that I have done so much wrong to certain people unintentionally and that's just part of being human. Sometimes we're going to fuck up. Sometimes we're not going to be perfect. We're going to hurt people. But the most important thing is learning how to have compassion and forgiveness for yourself and to continue doing better, apologize when you need to, and to continue moving forward. And part of the reason I share this is because I had a really challenging childhood, not just because of Michael. I don't want to put that weight on him at all because, again, I don't want to know who I would be had I not had Michael in my life. But I had a very violent, very abusive childhood that has led me to have complex PTSD. I'll dive into that a little bit more. But I was experiencing so much trauma from an early, early age. And I'm not going to dive into it. I don't feel like this is the appropriate place or the time to do so. But I share this because I know that I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only person who has experienced child abuse out there. So if you have experienced it that yourself, I see you. I believe you. I honor you. I know it's so challenging, especially because so many people don't believe our stories or they don't know what to say or do. So I am here to validate your experience and to let you know you're not alone. And through that experience, it was really hard growing up and especially hearing things like, you're a dumb bitch, hearing I hate you every single fucking day of my life. I am not kidding you all. It was so challenging and I think a lot of that has turned me into the person that I am today. It is why I am so aware about trauma. It is why I'm so aware about how I just show up in the world And I do my very best to be kind, compassionate. And again, I'm not perfect at this, but I do my very best to lead through with that. And 
I think moving on from that, like where I essentially wanted to go for school, I grew up with foreign parents. So my parents are both from Poland. If you're not aware about Poland, Poland's a country in Europe. It's just east of Germany. And Poland as itself has gone through a lot of trauma. During World War II, they lost 20% of their population, which is insane to think about. So there's a lot of generational trauma that has happened since. And I was even reading some research that about 20%, so I believe it's about 19% of the Polish population today has PTSD from generational trauma that's come from World War II. I believe the national, the world average of PTSD, I believe is somewhere between five to 10%. So it's a pretty high a number to have 20, almost 20% of people having PTSD. My parents did the best that they could raising me. I love them so much. I am so grateful for them. I'm especially grateful for my mom because she did so much work raising my brother and I doing so with so much love, so much compassion. She accepted my brother from the second we were born. She loved him so, so much. And I'm so incredibly grateful for her. I love her so much. And having had that background was so interesting. Like I wasn't allowed to speak English at home. I was only allowed to speak Polish, which I'm grateful for today because when I go back and visit my family in Poland, I can actually communicate with them. Yeah, maybe I sound like, I don't know, like a first grader because my grammar isn't perfect, but I'm grateful to have at least been exposed to the culture and to be exposed to the language. And as most foreign parents, a lot of foreign parents see success as becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer, becoming an engineer. And because my dad was already an engineer and he, especially during like 2008, when there was a recession going on, it was really hard to find jobs as an engineer. So he was kind of like, don't become an engineer, just go become a doctor. And my entire life, I want to become a doctor because I really wanted to help people. I love just being able to connect with others and being able to help others. So I, and especially just having my own medical issues as well, like I had vocal cord dysfunction when I was in high school. Not many people are aware of what it is, but essentially I started having breathing problems and I was misdiagnosed with asthma. I was a competitive swimmer at the time and I had to stop swimming. I had to stop doing actually all physical activity because basically if I would start doing something, even doing a breast walk, I would almost pass out. Like I'd start to see the like salt and pepper show. I don't know if anyone remembers the old TVs as a kid, but my vision would just start becoming black and white and I would have a hard time breathing. I'd almost pass out. And so I wasn't allowed to do any physical exercise for about four months. I was put on a bunch of different medications. I had to see, I think about eight different doctors during this time. And each time I go to the doctor, share with them that I was having shortness of breath and chest pain and each and every single time they couldn't find out what was wrong and they'd say, I'm so sorry, like here, I'm gonna refer you off to this other doctor and found out that I had vocal cord dysfunction. And that means that I basically wasn't breathing with my diaphragm. I was always sucking my stomach in because I was trying to look skinny. I had someone when I was on my swim team in seventh grade, someone made a joke about, oh my gosh, you look so fat when you're underwater because I was breathing with my diaphragm. And I instead internalized that was like, oh my gosh, I need to look skinny. And I'm a pretty small person already. So there was no need for me to try and look skinnier. 
but I would suck my stomach in all the time. And that led to a lot of pressure on my vocal cords since I wasn't using my diaphragm to breathe. So all that pressure was stacking my vocal cords together and basically tightening them up so I couldn't breathe. And it took a lot of speech therapy, a lot of work for me to finally learn how to breathe again. But it made me really committed to becoming a doctor because I didn't want to ever see someone else suffer the way that I did. I wanted to actually be able to connect with my patients and really bring in kind of like an integrative medicine approach and really focus on preventative medicine, um, focusing on things like yoga and healthful eating and just a better lifestyle. And so when it came to going to college, I was trying to look for a school where one, I was a competitive athlete. I was a swimmer my entire life. If you're a swimmer, I was a backstroker. 200 backstroke was my jam. And so I was looking for a college where I could compete, but that still had really great academics and that was still close to home so I could still see my brother. And so the best option was UC San Diego. It's a university, obviously, in San Diego. They have a really amazing academic program, really competitive swim team. And so it was a really great fit, really great option. And my first year was pretty challenging, as it is for most people. I feel like you're adjusting to a lot, especially as you're no longer living at home. You're trying to figure things out on your own. And I started having, I started noticing my anxiety even more in college. I started noticing that... I was having a harder time remembering things and just started kind of seeing a lot of my trauma showing up more and just being able to identify it a little bit more. And I'll never forget one particular night where the girls on the swim team had one night where we basically shared like our biggest challenges that we'd ever gone through. I remember just listening to everything that everyone was sharing and I felt so isolated and so alone because no one could relate to the absolute chaos and the absolute shit show that I'd grown up with. And I'm not trying to invalidate what anyone else's experience. Like, obviously, we all have really challenging experiences. And I believe that a majority of us have had something that has shaped us into the person that we are today. So I'm not comparing my trauma to anyone else's. I'm just saying that no one else could really relate to what I had experienced. So it felt really isolating. It was really challenging to go through that. But I was really grateful. I had a really amazing swim coach who I trusted enough to kind of share about what had happened at home and shared about, you know, some of the challenges I was facing. And she really recommended that I go see a therapist. So I saw a therapist for the first time when I was in college. And that was really amazing and so helpful just to understand what I was thinking, understand and acknowledge like, yes, my childhood was fucked up, but that wasn't the end all be all. Like it kind of, I remember my therapist at the time had mentioned something about how even if my childhood was so rough, I now get to go look for the beauty in life. Like now it is up to me to go see just how beautiful the world really is. And she shared with me how like her four-year-old son at the time, he thinks the whole world is rainbows and butterflies and just eating cookies all day. And one day reality is going to slap him in the face and he's going to see just how terrible the world really is. So that's just a perspective I remind myself a lot, especially when I'm kind of sitting around and thinking like, ugh. What is going on? How do I get through this? Why did this happen to me? It's just a good reframe to have. Um, but anyway, so while I was in school, I also started to get into yoga a lot more. My coach did a lot of yoga with us. And I started just going on and practicing on my own and going to um, this one guy named Namasteve over in San Diego. He does donation-based yoga right on the beach, which is amazing. 
And I noticed that yoga was just such a powerful practice. And I really dove into it a lot after I graduated because I was no longer swimming. I was super burnt out from swimming. And yoga was just that place where I finally started to learn how to feel safe in my own body. I noticed that my anxiety started melting away so much more than it ever had in the past. And just that simple action of just like that breath to movement flow just helped calm my nervous system down so much. And I'll never forget, like I was just showing up so much differently in my life. Like whenever I was driving and I hit a red light, like I no longer was worried about like, oh my gosh, I need to freaking make that light. I'm going to be late. All of a sudden my mindset was shifting into like, you know what? Maybe if I had run past that light or maybe if I didn't get the red light, I would have gotten into an accident up ahead. Maybe if I ate that last egg and I dropped it on the floor when I was making breakfast, maybe if I had eaten that egg, I would have probably gotten sick. So maybe there's some sort of purpose behind what's going on. So I just remember my, even my mentality and how I was handling situations just completely shifted. And once I graduated school, I kind of realized I didn't really want to be a doctor anymore. As much as I love the concept of getting to help people, and I was so into especially integrative medicine and preventative medicine, I shadowed at a lot of different hospitals and I just kind of realized it was just not going to be for me. A lot of doctors do a ton of paperwork and I really wanted to have the time to really sit and connect with my patients. And so I just knew in the long run, I wasn't going to be fulfilled. I also knew just with residency, like residency is so brutal. And I just know like my body can't handle that. If I don't get like seven to eight hours of sleep, my body just doesn't function anymore. And I also still wanted to stay close to my brother. So after school, I kind of had like a almost like a quarter life crisis, if you will, of trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? I'd always been told to go to med school, but that doesn't seem like the right fit anymore. And so I was working in a research lab at the time at UCSD, just from undergrad and kept working there after school. And I was debating on nursing school, realized I didn't want to get into that either. And so I ended up falling into the world of sales and I never thought I would be working in sales. That was something that I always saw super sleazy, super cringy. But one of my friends had started working in sales. She absolutely loved it, was raving about it. So I figured, you know what, why don't I give it a try? And so I got a job working as an employee benefits broker. If you don't know what that is, essentially in that role, I would work with the head of HR or the CEO, the CFO of a company, depending on their size. And I would basically put together the employee health and benefit package. So if you work for a company right now you and you're offered benefits, someone like myself basically was working with your HR team and working with the medical dental vision carriers to come up with the plan that you have right now. And so it was super interesting. It was such a fun world to kind of dive into and to really understand how insurance works, what really goes into it, and to really, in my position, kind of advocate for the employees and also advocate for the employer to try and bring the cost down of their benefits. But I also learned I got to help people in that role. Like I loved being able to work with these, these HR leaders or these business owners and to really help them put something together that's so challenging and just so anxiety inducing. It was so fulfilling, especially when I was leading like open enrollment presentations and helping out a lot of these companies. Like a lot of employees would ask me questions about their benefits and it always just felt so good just being able to be of service, being able to help these people. 
and to be in that kind of place where I could be helpful. But when I was in that role, especially as I was presenting to these HR leaders, these CFOs, my inner critic was running rampant. During these presentations, there would always be this voice in my head that was like, oh my gosh, these people are amused by your presentation. They think it's so boring. They can't stand this. They can't wait till it's over. And there is this nonstop dialogue running in my head over and over and over again. And the same thing happened when I was teaching yoga. So after I graduated, I also became a yoga instructor. And I love teaching yoga. It was one of the most fulfilling things. And it was amazing in the beginning, but then all of a sudden, like my inner critic just got a grip on what I was doing when I was teaching and what I was saying. And I literally got to the point where I could not say or do anything without another voice in the back of my head constantly criticizing me, constantly doubting me, constantly telling me that I wasn't good enough. And it was exhausting. I stopped teaching yoga once the pandemic started, but I still continued working as a broker And it was driving me crazy in my role, especially seeing all these other successful people doing so well. And I was trying to figure out how to get my feet on the ground, how to get more clients. And my anxiety started getting a lot worse. And obviously like COVID happened, that started March of 2020. And throughout that year, I ended up like, I was actually doing pretty well. Like I was pretty proud of myself. I got myself a new apartment. I was living on my own. I was so proud of myself for like such a big accomplishment, getting to live by myself being 24, I think 23 actually at the time. And later that year, I got to meet my boyfriend, Mateusz, and that was, I believe in July of 2020. And life started going really well. Like I was super excited. I was like, I finally have a relationship with someone who is incredible, our partnership is really amazing, work is going really well, and then all of a sudden, January of 2021, all of my anxiety started getting so much worse, I was waking up feeling so much more depressed, my inner critic that I mentioned earlier was getting completely worse, and I remember um, Matisha's grandparents had passed away with COVID, and I was trying so hard to like help him out and be supportive, And the whole time I was trying to be supportive, my inner critic was going crazy. And it was just like, you're not doing good enough. He's not feeling supported by you. You're not doing enough. And one of my best friends, Kira, had also had to deal with one of her loved ones in the hospital at the same time. And I just remember my inner critic was going crazy and I felt like I wasn't doing enough, which is just like so terrible when you're already putting in so much, you care so much about your friends and your loved ones and When you have this voice running over your head, it just can drive you so crazy. And so I ended up going back to see a therapist. I had to see a new therapist because the one that I'd seen in college was kind of only for student athletes. So I went to see a new therapist and I shared with her everything that was going on. And I remember before that appointment, I was already preparing myself to like be diagnosed with anxiety and to like get some sort of medication. Like I was already kind of preparing myself for that. And I started sharing with her everything that I was experiencing. I shared my story. And at the end of the appointment, she literally was like, yeah, you have complex PTSD. And I laughed at her and I was like, no, I don't have PTSD. You are not listening to me. I have anxiety. I do not have PTSD because I had always thought and associated PTSD as someone who was a war veteran, who had experienced some really big trauma and was getting visual flashbacks and having nightmares of that event. 
And I was like, I do not have that. Like, there's no way. And it's kind of funny that I was gaslighting my own self, but it's because there isn't a lot of education out there about complex PTSD. And one of the biggest reasons why I talk about it so much is because it's not something that's included in the DSM. The DSM is something that's really important in psychology that has a lot of different diagnoses in there. And the DSM does get updated over time. Um, PTSD itself, I believe, wasn't even labeled and discovered until the 90s. And so it does take time for some of these things to really get incorporated. And I remember when I was looking at PTSD before, I was like, this just doesn't make sense for me. But complex PTSD is a little different. And so to kind of give a definition between the two, PTSD, as many people understand it, as many people know about it, um, best example to give is if you think of a war veteran. And let's say they hear something, like they hear fireworks, their mind is going to associate that sound with maybe being out in battle and associating it with gunshots. So they're going to get a visual flashback as if they're back in that battlefield experiencing all those same things that they did in the past. Whereas someone who has complex PTSD, complex PTSD happens after someone sustained trauma over a very long period of time. So it's typically someone who's gone through child abuse, domestic violence, maybe if they've been a prisoner of war for a long time. And rather than getting a visual flashback, they get an emotional flashback. So rather than kind of seeing and being able to identify where this kind of like flashback is coming from, my body will just start to feel unsafe. That's where the anxiety, that's where so many different things come in. I also had nightmares every single night, but my nightmares weren't of a single event. Like they were just so different, so wild. I don't even want to explain them, but they were just all over the place. And then the other biggest telltale sign was having a really nasty inner critic, having that constant dialogue, having really low self-esteem, believing that you're not worthy, believing that you're not good enough. And so after that appointment, I had a lot of freaking work to do on myself. And I will never forget how devastated I felt because at that time, I had already been focusing on my healing since my freshman year of college. So it would already been about six years into my healing. And I was kind of like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I felt like I had taken 50 steps forward and 100 steps back. And I just was so disappointed because I was like, oh, I'm already in this relationship. I thought I was already healed going into this. Like, what the hell is this? And something to remember is that healing is a lifelong practice. I always hear the analogy that healing is like peeling back layers of an onion. Once you finally heal from one thing, you're going to be presented with something different. And that's kind of the beauty that comes with healing. The beauty that comes with life is that it's never over. And I'll never forget that my boyfriend said, you're not starting at sea level. Like I was acting like as if I was just starting from ground zero from scratch. And he was like, think of it as if you're hiking Mount Everest. And you already got yourself up to base camp. So you're not starting from sea level. You're already up at base camp. You only got a few more thousand feet to go. Like you're not actually that far off. And that was such a beautiful reminder to me to keep going, to keep understanding more about trauma, to understand how to really heal and how to prioritize my self-care. And so it was really amazing having a therapist who her, she herself also has complex PTSD. So getting to work with her was incredibly validating. She was able to share some of her experiences with me and I got to learn a lot of amazing tools from her as well. 
And something that I really struggled with it though was I was working in a really highly stressful sales role. As I mentioned earlier, I was reaching out to like head of HR, so the chief people officer, director of HR, sometimes the CFO, sometimes the CEO, depending on the size of the company. And it was so challenging working in that kind of role that's so stressful, working well more than 40 hours a week when sales like you're being rejected left and right. You are always being told no. And it doesn't really work well when your self-esteem isn't really great. And so I was kind of struggling at the time because my therapist was really good at helping me as far as like taking care of my CPTSD symptoms, but she wasn't really supportive for my business goals, which is totally fine because that wasn't really her place. And a lot of people tend to compare therapy and tend to compare coaching to one another. And I think it's so important to understand both of those modalities are so powerful and so amazing, but they have different intentions and someone can work with just a therapist or just a coach or they can work with them together. But one of the best definitions I understand is that a therapist really helps take their client from their past and dive into issues from the past and whatever happened in the past so that they can feel safe and good in the present moment. Whereas a coach takes their client from the present moment and helps them achieve a future goal or a future outcome, and they don't really hang out in the past too much. And so, as I mentioned, like I really wanted to do well in my career, really wanted to do well in sales, but my therapist just wasn't the person for that, and that's totally okay. And I remember struggling to really find the right person to support me because I'd seen so many coaches out there, so many business coaches, and Instagram is infiltrated with so many of these people who are influencers and coaches but maybe they don't even have the proper training and also they may not even be trauma informed which is something that was really important to me i needed someone that understood how to deal with my triggers and knew when it was okay to push on them and knew when it was okay to back off and so i had reached out to a few different coaches couldn't really find one that was the right fit but i was really lucky at my organization at the time there was someone that was part of the sales training program and she had had her master's in psychology and was about to become a therapist and then she turned into corporate training instead. So she really helped me so much and she played such a vital role in my success, getting my confidence back, trying to find different ways to prospect and close deals. So I am so, so grateful for her. And so I essentially ended up like doing a lot better in my role and At that moment, I was in 2021, so towards the end of 2021, I was getting some momentum, but I realized it was time for me to move to a different company. I was just a little bit over the industry. I was a little bit over the clients that I was working with. I worked with a lot of blue collar companies with companies that just didn't really necessarily care about their employees. And something that I'm so passionate about is mental health. Obviously, you could probably tell why. And so I ended up interviewing for different jobs and I was so committed to making more money in my next role. I was so committed to being able to work with an organization that aligned with my aligned with my values, that really prioritized and had a really big emphasis on mental health and well-being and whose clients also resonated with that as well. And so I ended up getting another job where I more than doubled my salary, which was amazing. I finally got into making six figures. I was so freaking stoked and so proud of myself because I would have never thought at the beginning of that year that any of those things were possible. 
So starting in 2022, I started that next job. I ended up buying my dream car, which is a manual BMW. I'd always, always wanted one. There is a lot of sentimental value for why I got that car. It's not just because of the label. It's not just because of the brand. There's a whole other story that I can share about that some other time. But I was pretty freaking stoked. And long story short, 2022, I was in this different role. And honestly, I just started becoming really unhappy. There was a lot of culture changes that happened at this company. And I was completely overworked. Like there was literally no work-life balance. I was working from 8 a.m. all the way up to 7, 8 or 9 p.m., which was so freaking challenging. And I just had no life. And I'll never forget towards about November of 2022, I just got to the point where I felt like my inner light was being dimmed. I could, I remember just waking up in the morning being so depressed, absolutely dreaded opening up my laptop and was just so unhappy and so unfulfilled, which was so interesting because yeah, I was making so much money at the time, but that money doesn't buy you happiness. It doesn't necessarily buy you all the joy and fulfillment you want if you're essentially being trapped somewhere that you're no longer happy at. And so starting in 2023, I kind of had to look at everything and realize like, am I still going to stay in this role or am I going to go out and do something else? And I had also been diagnosed with ADHD at the end of 2022 which made so much sense for me. A lot of women don't get diagnosed until I believe their mid-20s, whereas most men get diagnosed. I believe the average age is around eight. And for myself, I wasn't diagnosed for so long because because of my trauma, essentially. I was so high-performing in school because I had all this pressure put on me. And once I was in college, and once I no longer had all that pressure that I was living with anymore... I was starting to become so much more distracted, hard time just maintaining my focus. I had a really hard time being very productive, even when I was working. Like I, if you look at me working on the tabs on my computer, I could have 10 different tabs open and within five minutes, I could have been working on every single tab because I'll start one task, go to the next and kind of ping pong and bounce around. And so I had a lot of work to do to learn how to like manage the ADHD, how to really manage my time the most effectively and be the most efficient. So there's a lot of tips and tricks that I had to learn. And starting in 2023, once January rolled around, I just knew it was my time to leave the company that I was at. I was no longer happy, no longer fulfilled. And so I ended up leaving. And the first thing I did was I bought a ticket to Thailand. I knew that I just needed some time for myself. I had barely been able to go on vacation while I was working in sales last three years beforehand. So I just took that time. I went on a solo trip. I went to Singapore, went to Thailand, just to kind of like regain my thoughts, regain just my energy that I just felt like I'd lost and poured my heart out the last few years. And I kind of came to a crossroads where I really wanted to do work that I'm incredibly passionate about. And so I was kind of at the crossroads of do I go get my master's and go into becoming a therapist or do I go become a life coach instead? And ultimately, I decided on becoming a life coach because in therapy, as I mentioned earlier, you deal a lot with the past. And I just know with just all the trauma that I had experienced, I just don't have the emotional capacity to hold on to that trauma for someone else. It's just not something that... 
I know I could set a good boundary with. And I'd been pretty timid about coaching. I had wanted to become a coach about five years ago, but I have just seen so much kind of BS in the coaching world of so many people kind of like turning it into like this influencer world of just calling themselves coaches, getting no training, no certification. And yes, you can start coaching before you get an official certification, but you need to have some sort of training. You need to have some sort of training to understand what coaching is, what it's about, how to properly work with clients that unfortunately I just don't see many people in the industry doing. And so I went through and I looked for a coaching program that one of my best friends had done. She recommended it, she really loved it. And so I got my whole person coaching certification. And the premise behind coaching that's so interesting is that as a life coach, I never give my clients advice, which is a huge misconception about coaching. I essentially am there to work with my clients, to ask the right questions, to reflect their behavior, to reflect the words that they're saying so that they can do their own thinking, they can do their own, almost like have their own realizations. And I use the example sometimes of if you've ever had a friend who's been in a really shitty relationship and no matter how many times you tell them, hey, your boyfriend sucks or hey, this girl sucks, like you shouldn't be dating them anymore, they're gonna keep going back to that person over and over and over again until they themselves have that realization of, oh my gosh, this relationship sucks, like what have I been doing? I need to get the heck out of this. And so coaching kind of uses that same premise of people aren't going to take action unless they have that driven motivation within them and they have their own realizations and they can kind of have their own ways of thinking and their own ways of getting things done. And that's the thing I love about coaching is that with coaching, like I am meant to get my clients results. I am meant to go and help them feel so empowered and so inspired to build their confidence to essentially like see how strong how capable and just how amazing they really are and so that got me to where i am today i got back into teaching yoga as well i had taken a break from teaching yoga after the pandemic started so once march of 2023 rolled around i came back from thailand i started teaching again it is so fulfilling and i'm currently finishing up a program on trauma-informed yoga because yoga is so powerful when it comes to healing. There are so many different ways to heal, which is something I'm going to really dive into in this podcast. I'm going to include different guests so you can understand different healing modalities and different ways to kind of start thriving and to really start healing. And so essentially, as a coach, I work with people who are anxious and ambitious achievers, someone who maybe worries a lot, maybe they have really high goals for themselves, they're really high achieving, they always love to hit their own metrics. But maybe there's something blocking their success. That block can look like maybe a mental health diagnosis, kind of similar to what I experienced when I was working in sales when I found out that I had complex PTSD. That block can be something like perfectionism, waiting to take action until everything looks perfect. It can be a fear of failure, of being too scared to take action because you're too scared of failure happening. It can also be self-doubt. It can also be having a really nasty inner critic. And when I work with my clients, one of my biggest priorities is to establish a sense of safety so that you can feel safe enough to express any thoughts, any feelings that are on your mind, free of any judgment, free of any sort of criticism, 
And my goal is to help you find your own strengths, to really discover your inner power so that you can build your confidence so that you can be absolutely unstoppable towards achieving your goals, whether it's in your career, maybe it's healing from different aspects of trauma, or maybe you've noticed certain patterns that keep coming up. I've worked with clients who have anxiety, who are also PTSD survivors, who are also anxious, ambitious achievers, who have really high goals set for themselves. And in our coaching sessions, like I give you the power, you are essentially in the driver's seat, you are leading the sessions and you are coming up with a topic, what you want to work on. And I let you do your own thinking. What I do is I kind of sit there. I'm almost like your guide in a sense of asking the right questions so you can have different ideas and really see just how capable you are of achieving what you have your mind set on to. So I am super excited to share even more during this podcast. I hope this gives a little bit of an overview of who I am, understand my background a little bit more, and I can't wait to share a little bit more, especially moving forward. I'm going to have different people brought on. They're going to have different healing modalities so that you can really start thriving because I believe no matter what you've experienced, no matter how challenging your background is, no matter what has happened to you, that you can always start thriving, that it is always up to you because you are the only person responsible for your life. No one else can heal for you. No one else can do the work for you other than yourself. And when you start to see how capable you are, you start to become that catalyst for change. You start to have different things fall into place, different opportunities coming together for you and you can absolutely start thriving. So thank you so, so much for being here. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen to this, and we'll get diving into other ways so you can start thriving and you can learn just how to have that spark and let it shine within you. Thanks so much and see you guys soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am so grateful that you are here and that you are a part of this community. If you love the Let's Start Thriving podcast, we'd really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or whichever other podcasting platform you're listening on. I would love to hear all the wins that you're having, the lessons that you're learning, the challenges that you are overcoming. So I'd love to connect, whether it's on Instagram at mindbodyjulia or through my website, mindbodyjulia.com. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day. And always remember that you are worthy, you are loved, you're enough, and you are so, so capable. See you next time.